0: let's make a list of three things you can do to set your business up to do well this year. How about it? You're listening to Copy Chatter, the podcast where we talk about all things writing business. We're having a conversation here about freelance writing and freelance writers, and you are invited. Let's chat about business, marketing, dealing with clients, mindset issues, copy tips, and rolling with the changes. We'll also delve into what's going on with this particular writer as I grow and build my own business. Ready to talk shop? It's time for some copy chatter. So as I contemplated what to tell y'all in this episode, it took me a minute because there were there I mean, there are lots of things that it would be good for you to implement in your business this year. And I wanted to make sure that the things I shared would be helpful for you no matter where you are in your business. Whether you're just at the starting line or you've got a year, year and a half, maybe even longer under your belt. Um, I just wanted three kind of quick hit things that might help because these are things that really helped me feel like I was moving away from hobbyist and more into super professional business lady. <laughs> so more of that for you. First, I want to digress for a moment and just note that it is a cool 46 degrees here in my office. <laughs> it is very chilly. So normally, I want to have the best audio quality I can possibly produce in this uh, podcast. And that goes today as well. However, you may hear my heater humming in the background occasionally. I have this like, it's like a box, a window box heater thing. I don't know. I don't understand it. Previous owners put it in, but it makes things less cold. Um, anyway, so that's what that funny noise is, but I digress. Three things to implement in your writing business pronto if you're not doing these already. The first thing, and this is something you've probably heard me talk about before, but it's crucial and we all need a reminder, and that is to raise your rates. If you've been in business for more than maybe four months, you are most likely due for a rate increase. Now, there's a lot I can say on this subject, and I've already said a lot on this subject in my blog, and I Probably have previous podcast episodes on it too. We're up to episode 71, and so the catalog in my head is not as sharp as it used to be. (laughs) Um, But anyway, if you would like to go really in depth on not only why you should raise your rates, but how, and maybe even get yourself a little template for the raise your rate email to send to clients then you can head over to ashleyganner.com slash raise dash your dash rates. And those dashes are hyphens. ashleyganner.com slash raise dash your dash rates should take you there. Or you can find it on the blog. And the blog post is titled something like how to raise your rates painlessly, something like that. And it's true. I try to make it as painless as possible, but it's something that you need to do, especially if it's been a while. And the start of the new year is usually a great time to raise your rates, which is why I mention it as number one. Number two, scheduling implementation time, Um, specifically with new training, although not necessarily, depending on what you're up to. Schedule in implementation time. Now, this is um, something that you should factor in if you are buying into programs. If you're not buying into courses or anything, you may not need to schedule in implementation time. But this is something that you need to fold into your schedule somehow or other to make sure that you're making the most of this investment that you've made. Now, a lot of times courses are audio or video lessons that don't necessarily require you to be sitting at your computer. So you could listen in your car, you could listen while you're making dinner. I I mentioned those two things a lot because those are the two times I listen Uh, the most when I'm making dinner and when I'm driving. But if you've got these audio resources or these video resources, go ahead and and find ways to insert consuming the content, which is like the most unpleasant phrase in English, I think. But schedule in times to do that. And those can be times when you don't necessarily have to be sitting there concentrating, so they don't necessarily need to come out of your work time especially if you've got client work or you're hustling really hard to find client work. Um, But also schedule in time that you do need, you know, it's like what I call butt in seat hours. You will need some butt in seat time to implement the stuff that you're learning. So you can, you can watch, you can maybe jot down some notes or set some reminders for yourself for things to do when you're away from the computer, but then make time at the computer to actually sit there and implement. Um, I think this is something that I'm thinking about at this particular moment in time because um, I've been getting questions about my courses from people who have enrolled in these courses, but based on the questions, it's obvious to me that they are not actually implementing. And any decent course creator out there wants their courses to be implemented. We're I say we as a course creator, we're putting our knowledge out there to help you leapfrog everyone around you who is just trying to figure it out on Google. So we lay out the steps, we lay out the knowledge, we give you the information that you need so you don't have to spend time searching for it. And so you can just turn around and go start doing the thing. But if you never actually do the thing, if all you do is read about doing the thing, And you never actually do the thing. You have wasted time and money. We want our courses to be implemented. We want this stuff to be implemented. If you have enrolled in one of my courses, I want you to actually use them. I want them to be useful for you. I'm not in this to stick my hand in your wallet and take some money out. There are plenty of course creators out there who are like that. Thankfully, I don't see a whole lot of that in the freelance writing type realm. You know, this little corner of the world that we're in. I don't, I mean, most of the people out there are pretty genuine. Um, But in general, you'll find course creators with money as a primary motivator. Um, But most of us have helping you do better at this thing that we're doing as our primary motivator. So I want you to schedule... Time for yourself to implement. This is how you fulfill your commitment to yourself, the commitment that you made when you bought in. And it's how you fulfill your commitment to the course creator that you made when you bought their stuff. It's how you show up for yourself and actually make it happen. I want you to do that. I want you to start scheduling things in. Now, if you are following my my 90% rule that I've talked about before, which is that 90% of your working hours outside of the time that you do client work so 90 you have your client work and then 90% of the time that's left over should be spent finding more clients some courses that you take um, implementing implementing them will be different strategies to find new clients booked out writers all about that for example um, but, some courses are not. Some will be about how to find a website or like ClipsCamp is about how to put together your writing samples. Those aren't um, something that you actively do while you are searching for clients. It's something that you need so that you can search for clients more effectively. Um, but but ClipsCamp itself is not how to go find clients. So you need to set aside time to implement. If you're doing clips camp, you need to set aside time to write your clips. And arguably, if you don't have your clips yet, I would I would recommend that you do that before you start looking for clients. Or alongside, maybe it's a 50-50 split in your working hours, 50% finding clients, 50% working on your portfolio. Um, the other kind of guideline that I that I talk about, as far as time dedication goes, is the 60-30-10. Um, and that's the Ed Gandia one. I believe I got it from him. And I know that I've talked about these on a previous podcast episode. Um, but the, the 30, 60, 10, if that's what you're, 60, 30, 10, if that's what you're doing, then the 30% is like working on your craft. Um, and so I imagine many of the courses that you um, are purchasing as a freelance writer have to do either with finding clients or learning or improving some facet of writing skill itself, whether it's learning a new format or studying direct response, copywriting or whatever it is. Um, So put this stuff on your schedule. When you buy a course, block out on your schedule, when will I do my coursework? I want you to start actually doing that if you've never done this before and see if it makes a difference. But show up, block out your time and then show up and just see if that makes a difference. Okay, that's number two, so we're raising our rates, we are scheduling implementation time for all that stuff we just bought, Um, or stuff that we bought a while ago that we never finished. Now, now that I've said that, I need to digress again. (laughs) Just because you bought a course, that doesn't mean that you need to finish every single lesson. Um, It is okay to buy a course, just take what you need from it, and then never finish it. Okay. There are some courses that I buy just to get a bonus. (laughs) I don't do it often, but I've done it. It is a thing that has happened. Um, don't feel like you have to check off every single lesson or else you're a bad person, or you made a bad investment, or you're a bad business owner, or maybe you shouldn't do this, or you're a failure. You're not a failure. If you take what you need, um, and leave the rest, cool. That's all you need from that course. You got your money's worth. there are no gold stars for finishing every single lesson of every single course. So let go of that requirement of yourself, if you have that requirement of yourself. You are free not to finish. If you have bought any of my courses, and you don't need every single lesson and every single course of mine that you bought, this is your official permission not to finish. Okay? Okay. That's digression number two. Let's see if I can cap it at two and not go wayward again. (laughs) The third thing I want you to start implementing this year in your writing business. Now this might sound kind of funky at first, so just stick with me. I want you to know your conversion rate. That's kind of a, a digital marketer way of saying, I want you to know how many times you need to get, how many pitches, for example, you need to send before you get a yes. Industry standard, kind of the -the across-the-board service provider standard is you have to get 10 yeses. No, you have to get 10 nos for every yes. Or you have to send 10 pitches for every yes. It depends on who you're talking to, how it works out. But you have to make 10 asks to get one yes. Now, for me, when I was pitching startups, this is really the only time I, I really tracked this data for myself. When I was pitching startups, it was more like 20 pitches, for every yes. But man, the yeses were awesome. Great yeses. I worked for some of those clients for for years and years and years. Great clients. Really fun strategy. I love that strategy. Anyway, um, if you so if you're doing any kind of outreach type of client hunt, start tracking how often you put something out there versus how often you get paid work from it. So if you are pitching off the job boards, how many job board pitches do you have to send before you get a yes? If you are trolling the press release sites like I did, how many LOIs did you have to send before getting a yes? For me, it was like approximately one in 20. If you are, um, I don't know, contacting podcast hosts directly and offering to write their show notes. How many podcast people do you have to contact before you get a yes? Now, you're not actually going to know what these numbers are until you're actually out there doing it. And that's part of the magic is to be out there and doing it, but also be tracking it. So that you can then build predictable income predictions. I didn't say that right. Once you know your approximate conversion rate, you can begin to predict how much pitching you need to do to get to a certain amount of work. So if I knew that I had to send 20 emails to get one yes, uh, like to get one client, and I needed five clients, then I knew I needed to send 100 emails. That's what knowing your conversion rate does for you. It's incredibly powerful to know how many outreaches, how much outreach you need to do. I don't know if outreach is, is a noun. Let's not make that a noun. If you know how much outreach you need to do to get a yes, and you know how many yeses you need, then you have a target. You know exactly what you need to do, and then you can start chipping away at it. You have a plan. The plan practically writes itself. And then you don't have to think so much and it's just a matter of executing. And when you can fire your brain and not have to think so much and just execute the plan, you are so much more likely to get it done. You are so much more likely to succeed. And that's what I want for you. So knowing your conversion rate, what are some other outreaches? If you are um, commenting in Facebook groups, how many helpful comments do you have to leave before you get um you know before you get a bite and that's the kind of thing that will snowball over time because you'll become more known if you can get visible in these different communities people will start recommending you and whatever and it builds and that's awesome then you have a pipeline and you have inbound marketing as opposed to outbound marketing which is what everybody wants (laughs) um track these things for yourself. I always just use a spreadsheet. I use a Google sheet. Um, Julie Stoyan years ago put out a course. I forget what it was. It might have been the Influence Masterclass that she put out years ago. You can still get it if you join her, um, I guess, Funnel Gorgeous Society, which is actually really expensive, but also very worth it. um, If you want to get into digital marketing, let me know if you have questions about it. Um, cause I've seen it all and it's awesome. It's amazing. It's really good, but it goes way beyond the scope of freelance writing. So I should not be talking about it. <laughs> but anyway, um, Julie has a product. I think it's in the influence masterclass and she, no, it was in her find a client in 30 days or sign a client, sign a client in 30 days, something, something. I don't even remember anymore. Anyway, it was a 30 day plan talking about step-by-step what to do to find a client, Um, And in this, she recommended keeping a spreadsheet um, of basically every Facebook interaction that you have in these groups, leaving comments and helpful posts and stuff in these entrepreneur groups or, you know, whatever these market groups were. And like copying the permanent, you know, copying the, the direct URL to each of these posts where you're leaving comments to keep track. How many how many posts do I have to comment on in Boss Mom? before somebody hires me. And it's a little bit tedious, but it's also, once you start having these numbers, it's kind of intoxicating. Maybe, maybe that's just me. I love having data though. I love having numbers to tell me what to do. Because then I have to, then I can fire my brain and I can get out of my emotions because my emotions make terrible, terrible business decisions. I'm guessing yours do too. So a lot of my career has been um, oriented around how do I get out of my emotions, (laughs) which is kind of funny because as a copywriter, I need to have lots and lots of empathy. But anyway, systems and processes and numbers and data, these things are all going to help you. They are boring. They are not very exciting. They are not necessarily easy. They're fairly simple, but they come with layers of emotional baggage that make them feel very hard. But the more you can set that aside and do this stuff, the better off your business is going to be. The more confident you're going to be. You'll be amazed how much more confident you'll be if you start implementing all three of these. If you start raising your rates, if you start scheduling implementation time and you start tracking your conversion statistics, You know, how frequently do you convert, does a pitch convert into a client? The more you start doing these, the more empowered you are and the more um, capable you will feel and the easier it all becomes and the more your business is going to grow. And that's what I want for you. That's why, that's why I'm here. I mean, I'm usually not one to shy away from running my mouth, but (laughs) I make this podcast to help y'all. Um, There wasn't a podcast like this when I was coming up. And now there is because I made it. And I made it for you. So, um, hashtag do what Ashley says. Is it sacrilegious to say that? It might be. I should probably wait for someone else. Actually, I think someone else has done that. So, I'm okay. It's okay. I didn't break any rules there, right? I didn't break any rules. We're good. Anyway... <laughs> I think the cold is getting to my brain, so I'm going to wrap it up right now. If you would like more on being a freelance writer, if you want to ask me questions, if you want to hang out with a community of other freelance writers who are trying to do this freelance writing business, just like you are and just like I am, I invite you to come into my Facebook group, The Inkwell Guild. You can find us on Facebook by searching for The Inkwell Guild with Ashley Gaynor. I said that kind of funny, didn't I? You can search for the Inkwell Guild with Ashley Gaynor um, and and click over and request to join. Or you can go to theinkwellguild.com and that will take you straight to the group, answer the questions, and we'll let you in and we can start hanging out. And that's all I've got. Next week, I will be back in your ears with some more stuff. <laughs> If you ever have any ideas for the show, please don't hesitate to let me know. I love hearing what's helpful for you and what's um, what you want more of or what you want anything of. You can leave a review if you'd like. You can come into the Facebook group and tag me. You can send me an email if you dare. Um, but I'm kind of overwhelmed with email at the moment. So Facebook is probably your best bet. And I'll see you over there. So my friend, if you have been listening to this podcast and you like what you hear, have you left a review? I'm just wondering, and I only ask because reviews are really, really helpful for podcasters like me. I really care about what you're thinking, what you need, and how I can come alongside you and help you grow your freelance writing business so that it's something that really supports your life and gives you exactly what you're looking for in some kind of work from home, get paid to write type of thing. So if you have not left a review and you are so inclined, I would be deeply grateful (laughs) for your stars, for your commentary, and of course, I want you to tell me what you love so I can keep doing more of it. Thank you.